And he said, praise the Lord. How about the rest of us? Let's everybody say praise the Lord. What a great God. What a great God. So beautiful to feel his spirit like we can feel it here this evening. And I'm glad that we can praise the Lord. There's a lot of people that cannot. There's a lot of issues that keep people from praising. I am thankful that you and I can worship him tonight in spirit and in truth. And to to be the recipients of the goodness of God. I told your pastor this morning, I said, it it excites me to feel what I feel in this church. And uh, since the last time I've been here to this time, I thank God for what God is doing in you, through you. good to meet the elder tonight and his good wife God bless them good to meet them I've heard I've heard much about them through the years and then tonight it just comes full circle and such an honor to meet them hey how many's happy to be in God's house in the house of the Lord and to feel his goodness I uh it's a couple things. I never want to get to the place that I take for granted uh, the the house of God, the things of God, the people of God. My wife and I, in 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 our travels, there's times that we have worshipped God in every imaginable place, building, lack of building, structure. I mean, from cow dung buildings to open air. But there's something about the Spirit of the Lord. God knows how to move and work in areas that sometimes our own construct thinks that, I don't know if we can really have a move of God here, but you know, you can. You can. God loves to show up in incredible, incredible ways. I want to continue to encourage this church you keep doing what you're doing keep teaching bible studies keep knocking doors keep praying keep worshiping god you let god do you let god do what he is doing uh, in in our midst i um i want to direct your attention to the book of genesis for a few moments the book of beginnings and uh I need to have a place to launch from. There's a lot in my heart that I feel, a lot I want to say, so I got to figure out a way to get it said. I uh, I also want to say a massive thank you for the hospitality of this church, of your incredible leadership, the way that you folks have been so kind to my wife and I from from a basket with enough food in it to feed half of Huntington to the beautiful rooms to the fun that we had at at, uh, at our marriage event. You know what? We survived and we're still married here tonight. So it was all a good thing. And uh, every meal, every every great time, every great time. Let me say this. If you're, if you're a married couple that didn't get to attend, you need to make sure that 
you're there next year. And, uh, and if you're, you're a couple here tonight not married, get married. So you can, so you can get there next year. And, uh, and, and do th- get things right in the spirit. Genesis 12, I want to begin reading in verse 1. Now the Lord had set on Selah. I'm glad that you came again to church tonight. You didn't stay home because I was here, so thank you. Verse 1, she's my girlfriend. She just doesn't want anybody to know. Don't deny me now, baby. You can't deny me now. Verse 1, I'm embarrassing her. I'll pay for it after church, but it's okay. Everybody say verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred. This is kind of harsh. And from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. I don't want to forget this, so I'm going to say this right now. Oftentimes, greatness only comes after separation. That is why separation is a doctrine of the church. And I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. So I'm not just going to receive a blessing. I get to be a blessing. And I will, you ready? And I will bless them that bless thee. And curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Genesis 12. It's one of my absolute favorite chapters of the entire Bible. It's one of the 39 books in the Old Testament. But in Genesis 12, it is filled with the destiny of man. And it gives us a peek into the microchasm of how God wants to elevate us from just recipients to blessors. I've lived enough life to know what it is to be blessed. I was blessed 47 years ago when I convinced a little girl to stand beside me and say, I do. And the last 47 years has been a blessing in my life. But I've lived enough life to know that if God ever truly blesses you, he blesses you beyond what you can consume yourself allows you to be a blessor to the world so for a few moments tonight we've shouted we've ran we've stood on our feet for a minute or two I just want to preach to you about your destiny I'm preaching to your neighbor but first of all I'm preaching to you and I'm preaching to that one that's sitting to your left of you and the right of you but first of all I'm preaching to you I want you to know that God wants to talk to us tonight about us. Who we, who we truly are 
in Indiana, who we truly are in Huntington, who I truly, truly am. How many wants God to talk to you? Lift that other hand, open your mouth, let's ask God's anointing. Savior, we love you. We thank you for your blessings tonight. Help us, God. Help us open your word to our spirit, to our minds, to our hearts. Anoint us collectively in this tabernacle. God, God, you did it to the disciples. You opened their understanding. You opened their understanding so that they could receive the word of the Lord. Open our understanding tonight, I pray. In Jesus' name. And somebody said, Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, You may be seated. Now, I don't want to take the time, although I could take the time, but I don't want to take the time tonight to tell you the backstory of Abram as far as this text is concerned. However, suffice it to be said tonight that by the time we come to Genesis 12, Abram is not a newbie. He is not an up-and-coming citizen. Abram is not just a young entrepreneur. Abram is not trying to find his rhythm in life. But by the time we get to Genesis 12, Abram has already arrived and achieved a place in society. In fact, it doesn't take much digging to find out that by Genesis 12, when you talked about wealthy men, Abram was in the list. When you talked about men who were blessed with wealth and gold and silver, you would talk about Abram. Abram was not just a dreamer. He was not just a hoper. He was not just someone that had lofty ambition. But Abram, according to the Bible, had already found a place of prominence in society. I, I want to make this really, really plain tonight. He had, as we would say, arrived. He had already ascended the social construct. He had found the ladders that led to success. And Abram was there. Abram, as you know, back in L.A., he was already rolling on 20s and 22s before most people were even rolling. Abram had, he had money. Abram had, he had collections. He had valuables. He had herds of cattle. If you study it closely, he had servants. He, he was a man whose fingerprint and footprint was felt in the place that he dwelt. In fact, if you would think very, very long, you would think that Abram had come to a place that most of us are, f- are hoping to find. He had, he had, he now had rocking chair money. He had, he had money that, 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 that he could sit on a rocking chair and thank God for his blessings. He could look across the expanse of acreage and, and he could watch the, the crowns of corn as they would wave in the wind and he could see his herds and his cattle as, as they would roam through the fence country that, that Abram possessed. 
In fact, you can read about it. His children rose and called him blessed. His, his herdsmen accepted the fact that I am laboring for a great man, a, grand, a man that, that knows greatness. In fact, I could sum it up by saying he was blessed. He was blessed in the city. He was, he was blessed in the country. He was blessed at home. Uh, he, his money was blessed. His, his marriage was blessed. His children were blessed. And so, and so I want you to think with me for just a few moments here tonight that, that when God began to talk to Abram in chapter 12 of Genesis, he was not talking to a man that was in poverty hoping to get out. God was not dangling a carrot in front of him to try to motivate him from a place of almost there to there. He was talking to a man who had arrived. He was talking to a man who was there, who was blessed, who, who I, I would say who was comfortable, who, who was doing what he felt that he had been created to do. But, but I want you to know that that in the destiny of God and in the destiny that man, that God has for man, God looked at Abram and, and said, Abram, what you don't yet understand is that what I have in your destiny is far greater than a place called comfort. It's far greater than a place just called blessing. It's far greater than a place that says, others will say, he's arrived, or she's arrived, or look how God has blessed them. You see, God had a bigger vision than Abram did. God had a greater purpose than Abram even understood because God said, I know you're blessed, uh, but I want to make your name great. Uh, I want to do something in you that at the end of this journey that everybody that blesses you, I'm going to bless them. And everybody that curses you, I'm going to curse them. But at the end of the day, that every family on the earth is going to be blessed. Now, I, I could stop right there and we could try and dissect that. We could try and get in our little emotional and mental vehicles and try and go down the highway of thought and hyperbole and thinking and, and try and extrapolate from the scripture exactly what God was saying. But I, I want to take a few moments tonight and preach to you. I want to preach to you that the destiny of Abram was not in a place called blessed. That the destiny of Abram was not in a place where he had, he had crops in the field and grain in the barn. When, when God began to look at Abram, Abram was looking at the blessings of God through the lens of mankind. He was looking at the blessings of God through the lens of the society that was around him. When Abram thought about blessed and how good God has been to me, Abram was reading a that was marked by the judgment of others and people that was around him. But when God said, Abram, what I have in store for you, it is so massive. It's so massive that you're going to have to understand that in order for you to get to a place that you can handle 
what I'm going to bring to you. I've got to take you away from where you think you've arrived. I've got to take you away from things that you say. I've got it all good and God's been blessing and good to me. And so God said, Abram, your destiny is not going to be found in a place of comfort. And your destiny is not going to be found in a place uh, that you are familiar with. Uh, But your destiny is going to be in an unfamiliar setting. Uh, It's not going to be in a known place. Can I preach? Uh, But your destiny is going to be beyond you. I'm going to march you off the map. Uh, I'm going to march you to places uh, that you never thought you would can, can I, I got, I got so much I want to preach right now, but I got I to gotta slow down. But the miraculous always operates outside of common, comfortable, and known places. Because if I knew about it, it's not miraculous. If I knew where it was, if I knew how to do it myself, if I knew that it was in just another hundred people, if I knew that it was in just 50 more Bible studies, if I knew, can I preach a few minutes here tonight? If I knew it was in eight more, eight more bus routes, if I knew it was in 10 more be free from addiction classes, if I knew it was somewhere within my own roadmap and my own scope of ability, then it would not be a place unknown and it would not be a place outside my comfort zone. That is why God said, Abram, you're going to have to trust me in this, but where I'm going to take you, I'm going to take you from the comfort of being blessed. I'm going to take you from the place that you've carved out in life that says God's been good to me and come see what God has done. No, God said, Abram, you're going to have to get up from where you are. You're not going to be able to do this because of your father and your mother and your uncle and your aunt. You're not going to be able to do this because somebody knows who your brother is or or somebody knows who your sister is. I'm going to raise you up like I raise everybody up. And I'm going to remove you from familiar situation. I'm going to take you out of your father's house. I'm going to take you away from your kindred. And I'm going to show you a land. I'm going to show you a place that when you get there, you're going to understand I thought I was blessed, but God was just protecting me. But where I am today, I'm going to be a blessing to someone else. Amen. Amen. I don't want to get too heavy right now, but any church, any church that's ever going to be powerfully used of God is going to know the struggle and the tension between comfort and destiny. Every apostolic church that's ever made a mark in this earth are churches that have known the horror of pain, the horror of defeat, 
the horror of abandonment the str- can I preach a few moments here tonight the struggle of trying to carve out an identity and somewhere in that they had to launch their faith in the hand of a God that they could not see somewhere in all of that they had to understand you know what I don't know you see what I don't see and so I'm going to have to trust you and every time God leads us out of comfort zones and God leaves us out of known parameters and we begin to say I did not see this coming I did not understand how this was going but I'm going to preach to you tonight that the zone of comfort it always leads outward into the zone of fear which leads outward to the zones of learning and from there the zones of destiny and inside destiny is where growth proliferates and where growth expands because now we realize I'm not just here to be blessed I'm here to be a blessing I'm not just here to feel the Holy Ghost I'm here so that come on clap your hands with me right now See, the little widow woman, she had to get down to nothing left but a handful of meal and a couple drops of oil in the cruise. I just kind of slapped that in passing this morning, but that miracle happened in the middle of a famine. God had to take her. See, the prophet didn't show up when she had 10 handfuls. The prophet showed up when she had, you want to talk about discomfort? When she had one handful, but she didn't just have one handful left. She already had written her epitaph. This is the last cake, the last meal, the last tortilla, and then it's over. It's gone. He, hear me. It's the tension between the known and the unknown. It's the tension between comfort and uncomfort. It's the tension between blessed or being a blesser. She could have eaten that cake and she and her son could have been blessed with the last meal. But her destiny was bigger than herself. And so God said, I'm going to take you there to trust you. I'm going to take you there to test you. I'm going to allow you to feel the tension of is this the last? Is this the last? Is this the last that I have? But once you understand who you're serving, you're going to get an understanding in your own life. Hallelujah. He's not just going to bless me with my last meal. He's going to bless me with the ability to bless somebody else. And when I bless somebody else, the blessing going to remain in my life. Praise the Lord. There's only so much you can hold in your fist. And, And when we don't let things get through us into the field, we become a shortstop and every ball that comes off the plate snagging it 
Nothing ever gets in the field. The problem is when I, I don't know why I'm going where I'm going, but I'm going somewhere. The problem is when I start squeezing the blessings of God, then I can only hold so much and my fist gets full and my hand gets full. And whatever blessings come, I don't have the ability to capture it because I'm still holding on to the blessing of yesterday, which could have helped somebody today. It's the principle that God tried to teach Israel and Egypt. When they ran out of food, God said, I'm going to give you manna. You got to understand that your destiny is bigger than today's meal. And so God said, I'm going to, you read your Bible. It's little round white things that came out of heaven. Tastes like honey. If that ain't a donut, I don't know what it is. Read your Bible. Pastelas. Sabroso. It's a little white round thing. Tastes like honey. It's crispy cream before crispy cream was crispy cream. But here's what God said. Watch it. God said, God said, eat as much as you want. You can have all you want. Because God has no beginning. You're not hearing me yet. God has no beginning nor ending. He is the fountainhead of all. And so God told them, you, do, you can have as much as you want today. Are you happy tonight? Are you kind of sad? It's kind of sad. I've been sad in church before, but you know, then I, I got the Holy Ghost and everything. Eat all you want. But what did God say? But don't try to hold it for tomorrow. He said, look, it's Sunday, it's Sabbath. Eat as much donuts as you can handle. You enjoy the blessings of the Lord, even when you're on the carnivore diet and you really want a donut. Praise the Lord. Eat all you want, but watch the principle of the blessor. But don't try and hold it out for tomorrow because in doing so, you are telling me you don't Trust my word to take care of you tomorrow. You know, I want to have faith, but I don't want to go overboard. I want to worship tonight, but I... I want to believe, but... God said, if you try and... You try and take... Uh, I, I hope I can get this little Bible study out tonight. If you try to take today's blessings into tomorrow, when you get there, when you get there, today's blessings has worms in it. So when you see people with wormy attitudes and wormy spirits and wormy looks, You know, these are individuals that have not yet understood the fact 
that the same God that healed them last time is the same God that healed them this and the same God that loved them yesterday is the same God that will love them today and the same God that blessed I'm going to preach to you right now one of the biggest tricks that the adversary plays on us is that I'm going to stay right here and God's going to bless me I'm going to preach to you right now that's not the way it works I said it's not the way it works it's not by works that any man should boast we've got to understand God may take us somewhere tonight we've never been God may do something in the spirit tonight that we have never seen him do because the miraculous always operates outside the comfortable and the known I remember when I remember when God began to deal with me in San Diego about the Philippines. And I would just tell you, 1994, we started, we had eight people, and and uh, and uh, <laughs> eight people. It's expensive to live in San Diego. Gas today is between four and five dollars a gallon. Gasoline, not diesel. And uh, and uh, utilities are, whew, and property. Whew, uh, you cannot. You, I don't even think you can buy a house where we live. Can, can you buy a house for four hundred thousand dollars, baby? Huh? Not that you know of. I, I, don't, I don't think you can buy a house. You might can buy a condo. You can't. Well, how much is a condo? She's a real estate girl. <laughs> Five to six hundred thousand for a condo. Wow. We, we, uh, we, oh my God, I can't go there. Well, yeah, you can. If God calls you, you can do it. Right. You can do it with eight people. And, and, uh, cause it was uncomfortable for me and Jesus. And, uh, and we went and then God blessed us and we had a little building and we filled that building up and, and we, started, we started having unbelievable revival and, uh, uh, and things started happening because I, I, I started telling God, my wife was freaked out, my kids were freaked out. They said, my God, we're starting all over and we're, we're old, we're getting old and, and we don't have enough time and we've lost time. And, but time is a human thing, it's not a God thing. And, 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 uh, and I remember, I remember the Sunday night, I remember the Sunday night pastor that a city bus pulled up in front of our church door. I know a little bitty church, church was about, uh, it was about this wide and about this deep, little bitty church and we'd get to shouting in there and the floor would do this and we would knock the fluorescent lights off underneath in the basement. We could tell if we had good church or not by how many, how many eight foot bulbs we busted. And, and, uh, but I remember, I remember the night, man, I, I'm preaching and we, you know what we're winning to God? Tweakers. We got into a nest of tweakers and, 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 uh, and I didn't care. I said, God, I don't care who they are. I don't care. Just bring them here. Bring them here because you can do for them. 
and none of them had cars and they all rode bicycles and, and they, they stayed up all night long polishing stuff and, 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 and the cops knew them all and, and, and the courts knew them all and before long here I am having to go to court and dealing with cops and well do you know this person I said well I haven't known him very long but I'm going to tell you something God filled him with the Holy Ghost and I don't care what they and and oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah and I remember the night I remember the night that I'm in the pulpit and I can see through the doors and the, and the city bus pulls up baby you remember this and the city bus pulled up and I thought we're not a we're not a bus stop, but the city bus pulled up and it stopped and the door opened up and all these people started walking in. They just started walking in the church and they walked in the church and pastor before the service was over, they all would get the Holy Ghost. All of them get the Holy Ghost. All of them get the Holy Ghost. And the next Sunday night, the bus came back. And the next Sunday night, the bus came back. And the next Sunday night, the bus came back. And the next Sunday night, the bus came back. And I'm not preaching you a story. I'm preaching you the God's truth. And week after week after week after week after week, the bus showed up. And finally, we started talking to the people. And I said, well, how'd you get here? Well, that bus driver told us that he'd go by in the morning and he'd see people praying. He'd go by in the morning and he'd hear people prayer. And he'd say, I don't know what's going on in that little building over there. But I think you're going to find what you need in there. And we started having revival. And we started filling up that church. And then we started praying, God, I want the bus driver. I want the driver of the bus. And I was there the Sunday night. He walked in in his uniform. And he sat over there to the left. And in a little bit, hands in the air, talking in tongues. As the Spirit, I am preaching to you. The miraculous always happens outside your comfort zone. It launched us into unbelievable revival. We had our own bus ministry. We didn't have to pay a driver. We didn't have to pay insurance. We didn't have to drive a bus. Now, that didn't last long. But while it lasted, God was filling up our little building. Teresa, Teresa was one of the ex-tweakers. <laughs> Teresa would rather fight than switch. I promise you. She was a brawler. She, would, she could out-drink men, out-dope them, and out-fight them. Everybody there knew Teresa. And some of you are not going to know what I'm talking about, but she was a hood rat. And she was an OG hood rat. She knew how to be a hood rat. She was, she was, there was nothing feminine about Teresa but her name. God filled Teresa with the Holy Ghost. God filled her kids with the Holy Ghost. God started filling her family with the Holy Ghost. Well, well, Teresa, Teresa was, she, she was a bicycle rider because she didn't have a car because whatever. And, and so, I remember, I remember the day she came to me and said, Pastor, God's dealing with me. Now, when Teresa get that little finger going, you knew something was going on. 
And she said, God's dealing with me. And I said, okay. And she said, I want you to pray with me. I said, okay, what are we praying about? She said, I want to drive an armored car. She said, because I've been researching. They make a lot of money. They make a lot of money. And she said, I, I just have always wanted to drive an armored car. And I think I'd look good driving an armored car. And I said, well, Teresa, I'm going to help you pray. But baby, don't you know they're going to do a background check? She said, yep. That's why I need you to pray. Let's pray. Well, I had men in our church that were police officers. And I went to them. I said, hey, look, you need to check out Teresa for me. She's, gonna, she's applying for this job. And she's convinced that God told her she's going to get this job. And I don't want to talk somebody out of something that they tell me that God told them. Even though it's as far from reality as you can almost get. I remember Brother Don Williams, he came back. He said, Pastor, Pastor, it ain't going to happen. I said, he said, you could wallpaper this church with her rap sheet, man. It, it, it just ain't going to happen. He said, in fact, I learned stuff about her I didn't even want to know. I remember one night after church, I was counseling a young couple, a young couple that had just prayed through the Holy Ghost. And we were having a, one of those counseling sessions where it got a little bit, uh, elevated in our volume of our communication. <laughs> and we were having a good understanding. And I remember that night after coming out of the office, I came out of the office and Teresa, Teresa, hang on, I gotta show you Teresa. I'm gonna get back to my message in just a minute. I'm preaching right now. I come out of my office and Teresa was standing by my door like this. Come out of my door. I said, Teresa, what are you doing? She said, Pastor, they wasn't going to get you. I'm just telling you right now. I'm going to split their head open. I got my pastor. I got you back, babe. I got you. I got you. That was Teresa. Square. I remember, I remember she went to my wife and said, you got to teach me how to dress like a lady. And so my wife's taking her around trying to get her fit in dresses. And, and, and uh, she said, I, I ain't never done this in my life. She said, I feel kind of funny. I feel kind of weird out here in a dress like this. <laughs> then she wound up singing and wound up in the choir and wound up leading worship. Because it always... The miraculous always operates outside the common and the known. Brother Fishburne, I just got to admit to you, when she came to me waving this letter, she said, I got the job. Baby, do you remember that? I, I, I said, Teresa, you watch, she said, I got the job. She said, I'm going to be driving millions of dollars of cash. I'm going to be driving millions of dollars. Teresa. I said, Teresa, how in God's name did this happen? She says, I don't know. But she said, when I went to my last interview, the man that was interviewing me said, well, 
Miss Grant, we've checked your records. We've checked your past. We've done a background investigation. And you're as clean as a brand new baby. I'm going to preach to somebody right now. God wants to get us out of our place of comfort and say, if you follow me, I'm not just going to bless you. I'm going to make you a blessing. I'm going to make your name great. And I'm going to bless everybody that blesses you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That happened. Just like I'm telling you that happened. From there, from there, she drove for a little while and said, uh-uh. <laughs> this is not where I'm going to end up. She said, I, I like it and it's fun and I'm working and I'm making money and I'm bringing home a paycheck. But said, they keep me away from everybody. And I want to witness. I want to talk to people. And I'm stuck in this cab. And the cab's got a partition. And I got a guy on the other side that's partitioned from me. And then there's two guys in the back. And I can't talk to them. I want, I want God. I want God to take me. I want God to do something with me. I want God to. I said, well, what do you want to do? She said, I think I want to go back to the prison. And work in the prison. I said, Teresa, that's what you've been trying to get away from. She said, yeah, but I know everybody there. (laughs) So, even with him knowing she had multiple priors, even with him knowing she used to be an inmate, when they checked her background, there was nothing in her background. (laughs) And so Teresa's now a prison guard. And Teresa's in the prison. What? Doing what? Teaching Bible studies. Praying people through to the Holy Ghost. Setting up baptisms. They they don't call her Teresa. They call her the skirt. She's a part of the extraction team. Where you got to extract very violent people out of... Out out of... Baby, am I telling the truth? The baddest, biggest, toughest... Nastiest that got to grab people out of cells that don't want to cooperate. The point one is the skirt. <laughs> Teresa said, I'll get them. I'll get them because God's got me. I'll get them because God's with me. I've got them because I got destiny in my spirit. Yeah. Well, 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 I got to get back to my message, but, but our house filled up. We filled up the church. I got sued by the city. Our neighbors sued us because we made too much noise. The police physically came in and threatened me. If you have church again with a PA system, we're going to shut you down. I said, I'll be here Wednesday, 7.30. Look at the size of my wrist, baby. Hook me up. Is a big televised court. We had to go to court. I'm there that night. I'm there, I'm sitting by myself, we're in revival. I said, y'all have church, have revival. I'm gonna be at court, I go to court. There's all our neighbors, they got a, a, a whole delegation of attorneys because of noise ordinance. You know, it's okay to break windows and smoke dope and steal cars. So I'm sitting there, I sit down by myself. 
sitting out by myself and there's a man sitting in front of me and all my neighbors are over here with their attorneys and they're all talking and they're going to put us under the jail and they're going to shut the church down and I'm sitting there by myself and the church is having church. I said, God, this is, I've never been here. This is uncomfortable territory. The only time I've ever been in court, I had somebody with me, had an attorney or whatever. I'm here by myself, me and you, Jesus, me and you. And a guy sits down in front of me and another man comes sits inside by side of him. He said, hey, why are you here? He said, I'm here because I hear they're going to, they're, they're after a church. And, and the preacher beats a drum and takes everybody's money. And I thought, okay, I ain't beat the drum, but I'll get one. <laughs> and I sat there and I remember when they called, they called city of Chula Vista against Hilltop Tabernacle. And, and, and here's all these all these neighbors and they're chatting and they're, they're drunk and they're stirred up and their attorneys are dealing with them and nobody moved. And the Holy Ghost said, just keep your mouth shut. And, and the judge called again. Nobody moved. And so the judge called another case and more attorneys went on. People are going to jail and getting fined and doing this and doing that and the television cameras are zooming around the court until finally he cleared the docket and, and, and every case that was going to be held uh, was finished that evening. And, and the attorneys jumped up and said, hey, we want to be heard. We are the, we are the attorney for the blah, 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 blah. And the judge said, I called you twice. And nobody ever said a word. Case is dismissed. I'm not messing with you. I'm telling you the God's truth. And I sat there and I said, God, an attorney couldn't get that done. A jury couldn't have got that done. This is, this is area I've never been in in my life. I want to let you know I'm about to praise you. I'm going to wait till I get out of here. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You better learn how to understand. God blessed me yesterday, but that did not tap out his blessings. The blessings of God's been in my life, but God still got more than I've ever seen in my life. We went back. Our building was so crowded. We tried, we tried to sell. So there was this building. There was this church building that I saw in town. I wanted it. And it was, it was big, seats about 600 people. And, you know, we're in San Diego. We're talking multiple millions of dollars. We don't have, I got a church full of ex-tweakers. We still got more bicycles than we do cars. I mean, we look like the reformed Mormons on bikes. So I joined that church. I joined that church. I went and I would sit in the back seat of the church and try and go every week and sit in the back, sit in the back, you know, just like a backslid Pentecostal, just hanging out in the back and, you know, not doing anything. And they'd come by and say, oh, Brother Steve, you're back in church? Yeah, praise the Lord. How you doing? And I'd sit there and say, God, bring this thing down. Shut these doors. Bankrupt this thing. Pull it down, God. They're preaching false doctrine. They don't even know who you are. And for four years, I attended that church. 
And I remember the night I told my wife, baby, get in the car. We got in the car and I drove around town and I found a sold sign in somebody's front yard. I didn't steal it. I borrowed it. I took it back. But I pulled over and I grabbed the sold sign and I put it in the trunk and we drove to that building and I stuck it in the front yard and we took a picture in the middle of the night that said sold and I put it in our little building and people said, what's that? I said, that's our new church. We're going somewhere that we can't afford. We're going somewhere that seems like it's impossible. Four years later, I'm in Office Depot buying a printer to print out pictures of my brand new grandbaby. Um, it's just my wife and I, and it's late. It's about 9.30 at night. We're there just before it closed, and we're buying, we're buying this color printer, and my phone rings. And Laura Sokolsky was on the other end of the phone. She's a pastor. This is Laura. I said, hey, who's Laura? She was my real estate agent for the church. She said, you know that church you've been going to? I said, yeah. I said, you better sit down. I said, no, I can take it standing up. Talk to me. She said, they just contacted me about an hour ago and they want to sell the building, but they want to sell it to you. But that's not all. They don't just want to sell you the building. They want to buy your building. I said, say that again. She said, it's just like I told you. They want to sell you theirs, but they want to buy yours. But the problem is we need to meet in one hour. 10.30 p.m. I showed up at 10.30 p.m. It's my wife and I and a bag from Office Depot. We walked into a boardroom with attorneys, people from Brazil, the the bishops from Brazil. Baby, am I telling the truth? (laughs) The reason I'm asking that is people look at me like, come on, what have you been drinking? (laughs) Showed up, sat down. I don't have an attorney. I don't have a banker. I don't have a loan. I don't have nothing but faith in a God that can do the impossible if I'm willing to believe him. And we sit down and we start negotiating. And I realize I'm in over my head, but God's got me. God's got me. And before they, before they confuse me and frustrate me, I said, I'll tell you what we'll do. <laughs> I'll tell you what we'll do. Uh, I'll give you 2.2 million for yours and you give me 1.2 million for mine. I'm thinking, I mean, maybe Teresa can get that job back. Hallelujah. We can figure something out. And they agreed with this, with this caveat. It's got to be done in cash. 30 days. 30 day escrow. This is Saturday night. I said, no problem. Where do I sign? Let's shake hands. Because the same God that got me here is the God that's going to get me all the way through and we signed, we signed the contract, and we shook hands, and Laura, she's smiling. We walk out. She said, uh, uh, you think you can get the money? I said, uh, that money ain't no problem. It ain't no, ain't no biggie. Money ain't no biggie. I mean, come on. There's a million dollars anywhere. Come on. Come on, Laura, you know that. She said, well, well, I know if anybody's crazy enough to believe it, you are. I said, yeah, you got it. And so that Saturday night and Sunday morning, I get up in the pulpit, and you know, we're having tweaker revival and jumping and hollering and breaking eight foot long uh, fluorescent bulbs downstairs. And I told the church, I said, I got some good news to tell you. I said, uh, I said, uh, you know that church, that church on Third and L Street. You know that church we've been praying about. Well, I signed the deal last night and I told him the story, and we are licking the paint off the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, it's pandemonium. I see dance moves I've never seen in my life. And we are, we are, we are raucously praising God. And then I said, here's one little issue. We need a million dollars in 30 days. And they went nuts again. Ah! Screaming and dancing. And I said, okay, okay, okay. If they can do it, I can do it. So I joined them and we worshiped and we, and we loved God. And then it kind of, it kind of diminished a little bit and it started settling in on them a million dollars in 30 days. A million, a million, a million dollars. And, and so, and so. We just called, kind of got done shouting and sat down and a little girl in the second row, right where you're sitting, second row, jumped up. 16? 16 16-year-old girl jumped up and she ran, she ran up to me. Her name's Cherie Miller. She ran up to me and she said, Pastor, can I tell you something? I said, go ahead. I mean, this is unrehearsed, unplanned. Uh, you, You talk about coming out of left field. She said, she said, my daddy... My daddy died in a tragic accident when I was two years old. And they took the, the, the inheritance that was coming to me and they put it in a trust fund. And she said, it's been building for 14 years. And she said, I just got contacted two days ago and my first installment is next week. And I get $60,000 next week cash. And she said, I want to give it to church. I, that's going to be the first part of the million dollar offering. 16-year-old girl, not even out of high school. And I said, well, Cherie, we got to talk to your mom and dad. And her mom and dad was back there and said, hey, it's her money. If that's all she wants to do, can I preach to you? In less than 30 days, we had way more than a million dollars. God opened the windows of heaven. God took care of it. Now I'm saying all, I'm saying all that to say this. This is not your grandparents' world anymore. This isn't your grandma and grandpa's church anymore. You better get this in your spirit. It's my world. It's my church. It's my time. It's, it's my revival. It's my miracle. It's my anointing. It's my chance to do something for the kingdom of God. I, I preach to this church tonight that God has been transitioning you. Transitions are always fraught with pain and fear and abandonment. I want to preach to you. Any church that's ever made its mark upon the apostolic culture are churches that have a history and a past that once God kisses them again, they're able to stand and say, but you don't know like I know what he's done for me. If you would have been here 10 years ago, you would not understand why I'm worshiping like I am right now. If you knew my background, if you knew my history, if you knew where God brought me from, if you knew the hell that I've been through, if you'd come on preaching, if you knew the pit that God has digged me out, I'm preaching to you. God's gonna say, you gotta get up. You gotta get up from what you know. You gotta leave your area of comfort and I'm gonna take you somewhere. I'm gonna take you somewhere. 
I'm here tonight celebrating with a church that's in revival. I'm celebrating with a church that knows how to pray. I'm celebrating with a church that knows how to worship God. Can I preach a few more moments? I'm celebrating with a standing up church, a one God church, a Jesus name church. I'm preaching to a tongue talking, devil stopping apostolic church. I am preaching to men and women that said hell tried to kill me, but I survived. I'm preaching to men and women tonight uh, that said I thought about giving up and throwing in the towel but the hand of God was with me I'm back on my feet uh, and destiny is in my spirit I preach to the church uh, all things are now ready systems are in place Uh, you're locked and loaded in the Holy Ghost Uh, anointings here purpose is here leadership is here music is here favor is here talent is here but most importantly there is divine destiny that I feel in the walls of this house and it's God's destiny to raise up an apostolic come on clap your hands with me unto him clap your hands with me unto him I'm more through than you know but if you're going to be that church you have to embrace your destiny I come against every spirit of yesterday. I want to silence the mouth of what we used to be. Amen. If there's anything I felt like I needed to say when I got in this pulpit, I want to say we are not who we used to be. We are not what we used to be. We are not where we used to be. God saying, get up from where you've been and you've got to say goodbye to things you've known. You've got to walk away from family, your father's house and I'm going to take you to a land and when I get you there, I'm not just going to let you be a blessed man. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make your name great. You're going to be a blessing and because of you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Revelation, a few more minutes. Revelation produces identity. I want to talk to Huntington. I want to talk to Huntington. I want to talk to Indiana. I want to talk to the town that, you know, lives under the shadow of I want to talk. I'm going to talk to 17,000 population. I want to talk to what used to be a little white town. But God's loving you enough to bring the world to your door. I want to preach to Huntington. You used to be Flint Creek. And then you were Lime City. And now you're Huntington. But really, you're a city set on a hill. I got to preach to you tonight. 
Once you begin to embrace your destiny, you're going to understand there's an authority that comes upon me. There's anointing that comes upon me when I no longer hang my head and say, yes, I go to that church in the school. It's come on. That's just our foyer. You don't even know what God is doing. You have no concept. God's given us this city. God's given us this county. God's going to give us this state because we're not just a little group of people. We are the people of God. And God said, come on, come on, come on, come on and walk with me. And Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan. In the heavens, read your Bible. The heavens opened unto the man, to the mud man, Jesus. Not to his divine nature, to his man. When you read about the man... He was known as the carpenter or the carpenter's son. The identity of him before his baptism was, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? The identity to his humanity is your birth is under questionable circumstances. When when I went many years ago, I went to my wife's family to meet them. They hated me. I'm not telling you they didn't dislike me. They hated me. They hated me because I'm from California. They hated me because I didn't hunt and fish. I said, look, you understand, we shoot people where I live, not animals. We shoot people, not animals. They hated me that I mixed blood. They hated me that I I got black in my lineage. That my grandfather's black. Hello? Hello? They called me Redbone. They called me this. I, my, I told my wife, baby, I ain't never heard this in my life. I don't know what they're talking about. But I would tell you, second of all, I had nothing to do with it. I just woke up. Someone was beating on my behind, and I'm here. here I am. They didn't like me. I couldn't even stay in their home. I slept in a pickup truck outside in the driveway the week we got married. Are you hearing me? Come on. Come on. Come on. I wanted to whip their tails, what I wanted. But I said, <laughs> I'll leave that alone. I'll let God whip them. Didn't even want to be in our wedding. Her old sister wouldn't even be in our wedding. My brother-in-law didn't even come. He went alligator hunting. He didn't even come to our wedding. We're talking about the deep... You don't know what I'm talking about. Prejudice and dishing off on you and you been there a little bit yeah so have I you're not white enough for the white folk and then you're not black enough for the black folks <laughs> so they they marginalize you red but you mix you this you that I said I don't care what I am you don't shut up I'm gonna be up in your business <laughs> I'll give you a revelation of who I am <laughs> and and all you knew about his humanity was there's a cloud it, yeah, right. Virgin, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, right. From Nazareth, ha, ha, ha. Can't any good thing, ha. Oh, that's Joseph's boy. Joseph said, no. You got to understand, I never touched her. And Mary said, you don't understand, an angel came to me. Yeah, right. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's some good stuff you smoking. But at baptism, the heavens were open to the man. Yes. Yes. The mud man, that mud man Christ. 
at 30 years of age for the first time heard the voice of his father saying thou art my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased I'm not just the carpenter's boy anymore I'm not just the accused I'm not just the son of a carpenter I'm the son of God God is well pleased with me Stay with me. Stay with me. I'm still in the Bible. And the power of the revelation of his identity drove him to the wilderness. And for 40 days and 40 nights, every time the devil came to him, what did the devil say? You know this. You know this. You could preach this better than I am. The devil said, if thou be. Satan knew that if Christ can come out of the wilderness temptation with revealed identity intact, no devil in hell or out of hell can stop him. The devil knew if he can walk out 40 days later still saying, I'm the son of God and God is pleased with me. Hell, finna have a bad day. If he comes out of here with revealed anointing. And 40 days later, can I, can I preach a couple more moments? The war today is for your identity. That's why the devil lies to you. That's why your past tries to track you down. It's because hell knows once this church gets a revelation that I'm not who I used to be. I am a brand new child of God. Forty days and nights, the devil said, if you be the son of God, do this. And if you be the son of God, do that. And if you be the son of God, do this. And if you be the son of God, do that. And that wasn't working. And then the devil said, well, why don't you just bow down and worship me then? Well, and I'm going to show you things. And, and here's Jesus thinking in his own mind. Devil, I made you. I brought you here. I can take you out. But 40 days later, he walked out of the wilderness and he went straight to the temple. And he said, give me the book of Isaiah. And they brought him the book of Isaiah. And the first words out of his mouth after the securing of his identity is the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. For he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. I'm going to talk to you right now. Once you embrace your destiny, you let me tell you, Huntington Church, once you embrace your destiny, the devil's got to run. He's got to flee. I said he's got to get out of your life because you're going to walk in the power and the glory. It wasn't after, it wasn't until Moses got a revelation. I am not an Egyptian. That anointing fell on him today. Musicians come. I'm preaching to a church tonight. Please hear, I choose my words carefully. You are not a wannabe church. I'm saying that because I feel that in some of your spirits. I wish we could be like. You're not a wannabe church. You're not an almost there church. You're not a someday gonna be church. 
Come on, Huntington, you're a destined church. I feel destiny in this house. I believe that God has strategically placed you right where you are. And it's so imperative that the 21st century apostolic church learn how to embrace its destiny. There's too many of us that are adopting a survivalist mentality. Come on, there's no anointing in the status quo. There's no anointing in just holding the fort. There's no anointing in us just being what we've been. Is this okay? We're not holding on. We're marching on. We're leading on. We are rolling on. Because it's still in the Bible, honey. Greater is he that's in me. I wish you believed that right now. One day you're going to wake up and have an understanding. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. I preach to you right now that struggles are always a prerequisite to the crown. It's been preached in this house right now. You cannot allow a struggle to convince you that you're not what God called you to be. Yes, you are. I'm going to worship my way through. I'm going to make my way through. Stand with me in this house. It's not up to somebody else to worship you in his presence. When you get a revelation of who you are in the kingdom, it's not for somebody else to pray you into his presence. It's not up to somebody else to worship the glory of God down. It's you get this. The devil's tried to steal this from me. He throws my past at me. He throws my habits at me. He throws my addictions at me. But I am the child of God and God is well pleased in me. I've got to fight the adversary off in my wilderness of temptation. I've got to get back to the house of God. I've got to throw my hands up in the air and say the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. The spirit of God's anointed me. The spirit of God's forgiven me. The spirit of God's cleansed me. Anybody willing to come and stand at this altar with me right now and say, I'm going to step out of a Sunday night. I'm going to step out of what I know. I'm going to step out of routine. I'm going to step out of just going to church on a Sunday night. I'm going to wait for a choir to sing. I'm not going to wait for a drum to beat. I'm not going to wait for a guitar to show I want to let God know tonight, God. I feel my destiny. I feel my calling. I want God to know. If you can use anybody, you can use me. I want God to know. rises miracles can happen in your life before Monday gets here God can do miraculous things in your world I'm preaching to you tonight the miraculous is never in the place of comfort it's where we struggle it's where we fight 